0: Welcome to the Stargate Archives, buried deep within Cheyenne Mountain. Welcome to another episode of Stargate Theatre, part of the Stargate Archives podcast. This week I'm going to be looking at the 2009 movie... Wyvern. Why am I looking at this movie? Well while it doesn't star any Stargate actors it does have quite a few who are in supporting roles namely Don S. Davis, David Lewis, Simon Longmore, Dave Ward and John Shaw. So plenty of Stargate representation. As far as I'm concerned that's all that's required. Wyvern was directed by Stephen R. Munro. His career definitely in two stages. Early on movies like Storm Cell, Ogre, Ice Twisters, very much B-movie sci-fi. Then later on, moving on to Hallmark, Love Takes Flight, Christmas Connection, USS Christmas, that sort of movie. Huge resume. The writer, Jason Bukhar, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. (laughs) Arctic Blast, Polar Storm, The Fixer, and The Excellent Drone. This movie premiered in America January 31st, 2009. And on Rotten Tomatoes, does not have a critic score, but the audience score is 17%. So not brilliant. <laughs> One aspect of this movie that does stand out above and beyond the actual movie itself is the music, the soundtrack. Not necessarily the quality of it. Who actually created it? It was Pinar Toprak, the Turkish composer. Now you say, who's that? Well, you're right. I didn't know her name. You're looking at INBB, and you look on recent media coverage. Well, she did the music for Krypton, the TV series. Also did the music for Stargirl. And Captain Marvel, so an MCU composer, and this is where she learned to trade. Who would have thought it? I've seen this movie a number of times, I own it on DVD, it is great fun. So sit back, enjoy. Why then? Come try ya. The movie opens with the Insight Film Studio Production logo. We get a scene of the Alaskan coastline, and huge amounts of ice shearing off the cliffs, and inside, we see an eye and it opens and blinks. And so, there we go, that's pretty much showing you where the mythical creature that's going to terrorise the town has come from. Straight in there. And in big bold font Wyvern, we see Vancouver Lake and a fisherman preparing his catch. Fisherman is played by Dave Ward. He appeared in the Stargate SG1 episode Nightwalkers and he did some voices for Stargate Infinity. He starts to open his finger pretty good and he goes to wash it out in the lake. And as the blood drips into the water, there's a huge bubbling gush of spray and out comes this huge dragon-like creature, obviously the wyvern. He runs to shore, it pursues him, where it gobbles him up big time. So there's your first kill inside the first minute, not bad at all. (laughs) We get a close-up of a small town, Beaver Mills in Alaska, population 307. This is actually border town in British Columbia very popular filming location for its oldie style western motifs they've decked the town out very colorful lots of primary colors garlands ribbons and such forth so festival time perhaps we get close-up view of the local radio show kyof 670 am the host is talking about the last two days of the midnight sun so the townsfolk has been putting up with that peculiarity of the earth where in some parts it's sunshine all the time and then a month later it's night time all the time. Can't imagine living like that but many do. The DJ is Hampton, played by Tinsel Corey. She's been in Blackstone, Yellowstone, Sanctuary, Longmire and Z Nation and The Detour. We next meet Claire, working at the Beaver Pelt Cafe. She's got a order for Deputy Barnes. Claire is played by Erin Kapluk. Really liked her in Being Erica. Interesting show that was. She's also been in Rookie Blue and Saving Hope. Very popular and busy actress in Canada. The Deputy, played by Elaine Mills. I don't know the actress, but she was in 110 episodes of Northern Exposure. So if you watch that show, you know who it is. The Deputy is admiring Jake, who's working on the steps of the cafe. Claire is with her. She too seems to find him attractive. We see that Jake is flexing his hand as he's fixing the steps. We learn that he was in an accident a while back, as he starts talking to Dr Yates, who's played by David Lewis. Stargate SG-1, Cameron Belinsky. Again, huge resume. Mystery 101, When Calls the Heart, Unspeakable, Motive, to name just a few shows he's been in. You'd definitely recognise his face. He talks about The Hand. He really thinks Jake should come and see him, but Jake's adamant that there's nothing particularly wrong. Either way, he says, see somebody, even if it isn't him. There's something going on there. The accident, I believe his brother died. We don't know the specifics. I think we will learn them later on in the movie because they'll probably play a part. The doc goes to Claire as she brings a coffee out. He's definitely interested. She isn't. <laughs> Never mind doc. I'd say there's plenty of fish in the sea but this is a very, very small town. Population 307 after all. Claire invites Jack into the cafe for some breakfast. After all, she says, you are fixing my steps for free. And then we cut to house in middle of the woods. Big sign. Home of Colonel Travis Sherman. Stay away. Travis is played by the great Don S. Davis. General George Hammond is in Stargate SG-1 and Atlantis. He was also in Supernatural. Flash Gordon. The Dead Zone. Psych. The premiere episode of Psych. Actually a pretty good role. Pretty good episode that was. 160 episodes in total of Stargate. So sorely missed. Oh he was also uh, a <laughs> MacGyver. Let's not forget that. We see Travis stepping out on the porch of his house. He's in boxers and an open robe with a food bowl in his hand with LT on it. We assume LT is his dog. He starts calling for him. No response. Some huge force from the sky splashes into the pool. It moves so fast we haven't got a clue what it was. Travis looks forward, looks off his porch, down the pool. And inside is a moose's head. Bloody and carved up. He looks up into the sky and... Nope, (laughs) I can't say anything. I think he should be grateful because whatever it was is gone now. We're back at the cafe. We get introduced to a few more of the locals. Edna, played by Karen Austin. And Farley, played by Simon Longmore. Simon appeared in the Atlantis episode, Brotherhood. We return to Claire and Jake. Again, definitely trying to build a bit of chemistry there. Jake is played by Nick Chunlund. He's been in Young Justice, House 24, 666 Park Avenue. Again, a familiar face, but I wouldn't have been able to tell you his name. Anyhow, Claire, still flirting a little. She kind of puts her foot in it though, when she talks about the accident. A sensitive subject, And Jake. He finishes his coffee, and he goes back to working on the steps. Some time later, we see Jake driving home, and Doc Yates is waiting for him. Jake finally agrees to have the Doc look at his hand. He tells him that it's dislocated. He resets it, no painkillers. And then the Doc talks about Claire. Very passive-aggressive by the Doctor here. New York City Doctor and uh, a truck driver. Which would Claire pick? Ah, uh, suddenly I don't like the Doctor. We see him driving back to town. Yeah, this is setting something up. <laughs> the Doc pulls off the main street. Uh, he's got to take a leak. He's uh, standing there against a tree and we hear some wings beating high in the canopy. He looks around a little confused. And then we see terror strike his features. The camera spins round, and there's the Wyvern landing in the clearing. He makes a run for it, he dodges between the trees, and when he thinks he's lost it, he makes a dash for the car. And he gets inside the car, he gets his key in the ignition, he turns the ignition, but he doesn't close the door. And the Wyvern just gobbles him up straight out of the driving seat. As his body is torn to pieces, we hear the sounds of the local radio station. Oh, well, Doc, you didn't last long. <laughs> Jake, in bed, having a nightmare. We get a lot of fast cuts of his truck, of an accident, screaming. Anyhow, he can't sleep, so he goes into town and wants to make an early start on the cafe steps. But it's raining and nobody's there. The chief, Chief Dawson, pulls up. They have a quick chat about life in a small town. It's 5am, nobody else is about. Not much to do. (laughs) Even if it's going to be the first day of the festival. Chief Dawson, played by John Shaw, He's been in Stargate Universe Seizure, Stargate Atlantis The Game and Stargate SG-1 Descent as well as The Magicians, Psych and Arrow. We next meet Hoss, played by Barry Corbin. Barry is a well-known character actor, he's been around a long time. He's been in Matlock, The A-Team, One Tree Hill and The Closer, every genre of television. Very familiar face, but uh, I'm sorry to say that. I couldn't have told you his name, but I have seen him in a lot of stuff. He's tracking something, he's armed with a rifle He sees definite evidence of some sort of creature and that's when he hears it and then he sees it as a wyvern comes out to the sky and dive bombs him He gets a shot off Chief Dalton and Jake in town hear the shot They think it's just early festivities but he's going to investigate and Jake goes along with him What else are you going to do at 5am in the rain? The Chief and Jake enter the woods They call out to whoever's doing the shooting. We hear another shot and we see Hoss come into view. He looks terrified, collapses to his knees and proceeds to tell the chief what happened. Naturally, the chief thinks it's a bit cuckoo. As has been under the bright sunshine a bit too long and who in the right mind goes hunting at 5am? They take him to the car and put him in. It's then when Jake notices a bit further up the road, severed arm, plaid shirt, gold, watch strap. That's Doc Yates. The strange thing is, they just get a report that his car was found 12 miles away. Ooh, I got news for you Chief. He wasn't just attacked. No, he was ripped from Lindelum. So, where's the rest of them? Claire gets a call at the cafe from the Chief. He's called a town meeting, which is going to take place there. As luck would have it, only the main cast are invited. The other 290 residents of the town are either asleep, although they did make a point of saying that many of them go south for the winter. Or is it the summer? It must be the summer. If the sun's out for the last month, it's got to be summer. I don't know. Weird. Anyhow, let's just say these people in the cafe are the only residents of Beaver Mills at this time. The chief explains the situation. There's a predator out there, a flying one. A lot of people don't actually give much credence to Hoss's views that this flying creature exists. Then the deputy brings in the severed arm. <laughs> you told me to bring it. <laughs> Have you lost your mind, as well Susie? Now get this out of here and into the cooler at the station. The chief ends the meeting with a warning. Pets and children keep them indoors. The festival, well many of them actually want the festival to go on but that's not really sensible. But that is the underlying plot of Jaws, so it's going to happen in this in this B-movie as well. Then we return to good old Colonel Travis. Out on his porch, telescope, looking for prey. Never say die. <laughs> and you've got to admire the fact that he's got a plate of sandwiches, a glass of beer. He's not slumming, but no sign of the wyvern. He takes another pull on his beer, goes back to looking through his binoculars... And there it is, he spots the Wyvern, very faint in the mist, but he's definitely there. And it gives him the shock of his life, he, he falls back four or five feet. But as far as he's concerned, he, he's vindicated him, so far as a whatever. Well, the feeling he probably was a conspiracy nut. He jumps into his truck and heads into town. Suddenly, the Wyvern is seen flying over the car. He jumps on the brakes, gets out, pulls an M16 out, and opens fire. I wouldn't say he fires at the Wyvern, he just flies at the sky. And you know what? That actually looks like live ammo, or blanks anyway. Casings, as they eject, they look real. Now, these days, you know, you see CGI everything, but you cannot beat real ammunition. You know, a proper armour on set to actually use weapons with blanks, even live munitions when required. Anyhow, whatever he was shooting at, he didn't hit. Better luck next time, Colonel. We cut back to the town square. A lot of the residents have got their barbecues out ready for the uh, summer solstice festival. This is when the colonel comes roaring into town, honking his horn. Very, very agitated, which is reasonable. Jumps out, runs towards the uh, patrol car. It's an invasion. Call out the guard. What? Reptilian aliens. One of them buzzed my vehicle. Reptilian aliens. The deputy isn't very impressed, which just annoys Travis even more. He leaves her in the car, goes off in a bit of a rage. She winds her window back up and calls the chief, who's at the mink farm, which looks very, very deserted. The chief continues to search the barn. He slips on some blood, falls, and then sees body parts scattered all over. He throws up and faints. (laughs) Meanwhile, Colonel Travis barges into the DJ's shack, talks to Hampton, tries to get her to issue an emergency bulletin. She's not having any of it. She's got regulations. She's got to work under. The colonel leaves. Finds Farley, he's doing his barbecue. Can't even convince Farley about flying space reptilians. But there are a lot more people in town, so at least 307 population seems reasonable now. We're back at the DJ, there's a huge crash, debris rains down, and we see a tail, and then the wyvern jumps onto the outside pavement. Yep, very much alive now in town, but still very quiet. The chief wakes up, radios Deputy Barnes, Evacuate the town. And as Deputy Barnes is standing in the town town square with a little megaphone, nothing to see, nothing to see. Move along, evacuate the town. We see the wyvern in the background getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Don't panic. It's just a precaution. Please, stay calm. Oh my God. What are you guys looking at? Oh no. Deputy Barnes gets blattered. Big time. The rest of the cast are standing there, and off-camera, buckets of blood and guts are thrown at them. <laughs> oh dear me! <laughs> Meanwhile, at the cafe, the Wyvern is making a spruce attempt to get a bit of takeout. Fortunately, it's uh, that is a little too big to get fully into the cafe. It's making a right mess though. Eventually, gives up and flies away. Hear cries for help in the background. Eventually, Hampton and Farley make it into the cafe. Edna is doom and gloom, end of days, the book of revelations. The beast has come for them. <laughs> and now it's just some bloody great big flying lizard trying to set fire to the town. Hoss, correctly as it turns out, identifies the beast as the wyvern. He draws upon his Norwegian ancestry about the mythology of Odin, casting the beast into the frozen ice caps for all eternity. Perhaps it's got loose climate change. That's exactly what happened, as we saw. Colonel Travis is heading out of town, intent on raising the alarm, when he sees a RV wrecked in the middle of the road, smashed open, blood everywhere. As he slowly drives by, he calls out for any survivors, but no sign of anybody. He gets around that, and then, as far as the eye can see, smashed cars along the highway. He's not going anywhere. Nobody is going anywhere. Hampton is on the CB, calling for help. No response then we hear the cry of the wyvern as he returns to town. The chief finally makes it back to town. He's shocked by the devastation. He sees his deputy's megaphone and that's when the wyvern appears above the buildings, hunts him down, chomp chomp. Goodbye chief, you serve the town well. Claire and Jake have found the nest. I'm not quite sure that's what I'd be doing but <laughs> good luck to them. The wyvern naturally attacks as it would is driven off though by the colonel he informs both of them that they're trapped the wyvern is using them as a food source and the only way out is to kill it music to his ears they get some weapons and ammunition from the chief's truck and then find out that to get long-range communications back they're gonna have to jerry-rig an aerial on one of the local shops jake and hampton go to do that and jake climbs up on the roof no surprise of course that just as Jake is halfway through the job, the Wyvern makes its appearance. It dive bombs him, he manages to throw the antenna to the ground, slides off the roof, dodges again, and somehow survives. Hampton, as well as Jake, makes it back to the cafe and they've got the antenna, as well as more loaded weaponry. Things are looking up. They get a very weak signal to the emergency services. They're not quite sure if they manage to convey the urgency of their situation. In fact they had to lie about it, you don't really call for help because you're being attacked by a giant flying lizard. They come up with a plan however, they start collecting gas, medical supplies and food, bringing it all to the cafe, maybe hunkering down waiting for help. Meanwhile we get to see Wyvern's Nest, a huge collection of debris, metallic pieces and bodies. And there's a dock, minus one arm, lego busted up, covered in blood, and <laughs> the guys alive. Surely not, surely not but yep he's awake the doc drags himself up gets a tourniquet on his arm and he sees that there are eggs in the nest and the guy's just not having a break this is when the wyvern comes back and grabs him jake and Claire have a a one-to-one we get a bit of background on jake's crash and then the wyvern appears and it lands in the middle of town and drops the dock off <laughs> oh dear! they claim that the wyvern was an intelligent beast and why not something to draw them out get them out into the open so it can get them all although I had a thought it would have been more than powerful enough to knock this cafe down let's see what they do because guess I've got a feeling that they're not going to be able to stand there and let the dock scream in agony and bleed out David's uh, bait she's going to pick us off one by one as we leave Sneaky. Very sneaky for a lizard. Okay then, on a level of monumental stupidity, Jake makes a run towards the dock, intent on grabbing him, armed only with a 9mm. Somehow he makes it, Farley panics and does a runner. The wyvern ignores Jake and the dock and grabs Farley, flies off with him. So suddenly this intelligent reptile trades one body for another body. Now he hasn't got any more bait. What was the point? Except to get rid of Farley, who was a bit of an idiot. Suddenly, the CB squawks. They get a nice loud signal from Alaska Emergency. Helicopter is approaching the town. Of course, this is the downside for not actually telling them of the real threat. Because of the wyvern, it's pacing the helicopter. It grabs it by its talons. It does a 180 degree roll and drives it into the ground. Well, sorry, guys. Nice try. <laughs> the doc, he wakes up. He hasn't got much strength, but he whispers eggs. Claire makes a feeble joke about it's a bit late for eggs <laughs> But no, no, they figure out that he means the Wyvern's got eggs And then, with this valuable piece of information, the Dock passes away So now they've got a problem You've got to kill the Wyvern, and you've got to destroy the nest as well How much ammunition have they got? <laughs> Fortunately for them, the Wyvern's busy doing something else So they managed to get into the woodlands, not far from the nest Hoss, Jake, Claire, Hampton, and the Colonel all heavily armed. I wouldn't give odds, put it that way. The Beaver Falls residents approach the nest and they see that ah, that's where their generator went. A lot of cabling around as well. And if that cable can be attached to the nest and the other end of the generator, which has got fuel, they can electrify the nest and destroy the eggs. Plan. Bloody dangerous plan, but it's a plan. Quietly they approach. Hampton works on the generator while Jake connects all the wiring up. I mean, as a backup plan they could just empty a magazine into the eggs, I'm pretty sure that would do the job, I can't believe that the shell is that hard, but of course that might draw the wyvern before they're ready. And on the second pull of the starter, the wyvern thumps down. Mighty swing of its tail takes that horse straight through the stomach. As the bullets start flying, the wyvern settles onto its nest, using its body to protect its eggs. Jake dashes for the cabling, making sure it's hooked up. Generator's now running, it's doing something, Not much, but the wyvern eventually jumps and scrambles into the air. Definitely showing signs of damage. Once it's gone, they rush towards Hoss, but nah, he's gone. The colonel, in a fit of rage, opens up on the eggs, destroying two of them, before Jake can finally stop him. The egg is bait. They load the last one onto the truck and head back to town. On the way there, they notice a small jeep and they pull over and reveal more vehicles, including a truck. They approach it, there's some paperwork there, and much to Jack's surprise, his replacement truck on his insurance claim. That's fortunate. (laughs) Funny though, they show the paperwork, and his date of birth is given 740926. Now, I have never seen a date of birth written with the year first. I know the states tend to do the month before the date, but I didn't know they did the year as well. Interesting. So, Jake's got a truck. What's he going to do with the truck? jake's got a plan cue uplifting music i need two things i need the gps from doc's car and i need that egg strapped into the truck here jake says goodbye full of confidence powers the truck up and roars down the road with the egg strapped in beside him <laughs> he blows his horn attracting the attention of the wyvern yeah definitely wants it to know he's there it'll figure out the eggs there pretty darn quick and it'll follow him wherever he goes but where is he going A couple of miles down the road he hears a screech of the wyvern, sees it coming up behind him in his mirrors getting closer and closer he slams on the brakes and the wyvern smashes right into the back of the truck <laughs> confused, dazed perhaps but maybe really annoyed so it's definitely going to follow him now Jake accelerates away, two miles from the destination, wherever that is. The Wyvern grips onto the truck, it's talons digging into the cab. The glass breaks. Jake fires his gun, trying to give himself a bit more time. He's getting closer and closer. Pretty sure the Wyvern hasn't got enough fewer might to lift an £80,000 truck, but you never know. The Wyvern then appears out of nowhere, clamps onto the front of the truck, his head trying to force its way into the cab. Fortunately, he doesn't breathe fire. <laughs> it would be in really trouble if he did. Obviously it can smell its egg and see its egg. Jake, a few hundred yards from his destination, leaps out of the cab. Truck's going forward, down to 30-40 miles an hour. Wyvern, stuck on the front, and it's a quarry. Truck goes right off the edge, the wyvern still attached to it. It falls down, 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 and hits the bottom. The truck, pancaking the wyvern, and then, huge explosion. I think that's killed the wyvern. Done away with the egg, maybe the world has been saved. Well on Jake. Let's hope he's okay. Of course he's okay. Heroic self-sacrifice is a definitely good plot narrative, but not in this sort of movie. The hero's got to survive. If not, at least hook up with the love interest. He gazes down at his new truck, which has been totally destroyed. The insurance company is not going to be pleased. <laughs> How do you claim insurance on this one? I drove the truck off a cliff with a great big sodding reptile attached to it. Yeah, the auditor is not going to be happy. Jake walks back to town, rounds a corner, and plays there waiting for him. He doesn't need his rig anymore. He's gonna stay in Beaver Hills. The remnants of the town, the last survivors, walk back into the cafe. And <laughs> the adventure is only just beginning, because they've got to explain this. I hope to God that there are good solid remains to be found at the crash site, because that's the only thing that's going to save these people from maybe months, years, in uh, the loony bin. <laughs> okay, that was the end of Wyvern. That was a good movie, wasn't it? It was a good movie. And I'm not going to criticise the CGI too much. Yes, textures, colouring of the Wyvern needed more work. That could have looked a lot more realistic. But the physical movements, the the scale of it, that worked very well. The location shooting on this, I don't know if it was a purpose-built film set or maybe something that was built for an amusement park or something like that. Not sure. But it was a great set. Worked well. All the location shooting worked well. Very good cast, everybody contributed, again, no problems there at all. The Wyvern was just a very, very good B-movie. And he had plenty of survivors, which is actually quite rare. So, highly recommended. So, thank you for listening to this podcast covering The Wyvern. Up next, as usual, I haven't got a clue. Uh, Morlocks, that could be an interesting one to do. I haven't watched that movie in a long time. Uh, there's a couple more. i have a quick look through my DVD collection and normally I only stock the Blu-rays on my shelf. The DVDs are in storage. Those, at least, I haven't ripped to uh, the server. I'm pretty sure I can find something there. Anyhow, thank you very much for listening. If you want to get in touch, please do so. If you want to be on the podcast talking about a B-movie with Stargate actors, excellent. Get in touch. Let me know which one. We will arrange something. If you want to talk about Stargate, hell, it's a Stargate podcast. Even better. Pick an episode, get in touch, and we can talk about that. You can contact me at stargate.com. Archives.com, stargatearchives at gmail.com. We're on Tumblr and Facebook. Do a search for Gatecast, you'll find us. We are on Twitter at The Gatecast, primary social media portal, gets the most traffic. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Google, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podbay. We have a couple of RSS feeds you can manually copy and paste into your personal aggregator. That's one way people do it. So basically, if you want to listen to us, you'll be able to find us. Come Hope you've enjoyed the show. Tune in next time. Until then, I've been Mike. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>